Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome back. This is Believe in Rams. I'm Jake Ellenbogen. He is Cameron Lynch, episode 152. And uh, today we'll be talking about, we'll, we'll be doing some Rams review. We're going to have some thought-provoking conversation about the Rams and other things involved in that. Um, and we'll also be, you know, getting Cam's thoughts on the Super Bowl because he was actually there. Um, I'll be able to chime in what I saw on TV, uh, but he was actually at the game, which is pretty freaking cool. Yeah. So before we get into that, be sure to subscribe, uh, you know, like, rate, review, all of that. Also want to turn your attention over to uh, Cameron Lynch's uh, YouTube channel. Um, yeah. you know, he's going to be pumping out content over there. So, hey, I got to got to mention my guy, you know, um, so we'll be we'll be getting that slowly but surely. We'll be getting all the videos that we posted on this channel. We'll be getting over to Cam's channel as well. And from here on out, we'll have uh, every episode you can catch on either my channel or Cam's channel. Or if you're doing just audio, you can find it on the Believe Network, um, pretty much any podcast platform whatsoever. But we got an ad read, so let's get into it. Uh, BetOnline.ag. Uh, BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head on over to betonline.ag to join to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Cam. Well, you know where we start. It's always the burning question. And for you offensive linemen, uh, hungry content people, <laughs> I got a surprise for you, baby. Because mm. I listen to all of you. And even though I do like making my own content, content cam and i like talking about things we want to talk about we do listen to the people we are, we are men of the people as they would say so cam burning question do the rams have their left tackle of 2023 currently on the roster i don't think so jake not not yet right you got rob havenstein got the right tackle but the left tackle i'm not sure yet um and i want to go back to something i know super bowl just passed jake i want to go back to 2020 2021 season after the chiefs lost to the buccaneers the first thing they did was get offensive linemen, right? I think they got Joe Thune, they got Orlando Brown Jr., and they got uh, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey. And it took them two years, right, to get back to the Super Bowl and get things rocking again, but it paid off. It paid off uh, at the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Those guys showed up and showed out. Patrick Mahomes talked about it where, you know, everyone was talking about the Eagles' defensive line. And he was like, wait, what about our offensive line? And I, I do believe Andy Reid and the Chiefs organization did a great job of, acquiring offensive linemen so going to the rams right the rams are coming off a super bowl loss and a super bowl win two years ago and a losing season this year what's that missing fact what's that missing ingredient i do think it's that offensive line overhaul so uh, we talked about a lot jake but you know this offseason uh sean mcveigh taking some notes and this is the note get more offensive linemen right get people to protect matthew stafford <laughs> jake i feel like a broken record almost because we talk about this all the time, no. protect Matthew. No, you're not broken record. <laughs> <laughs> protect Matthew Stafford. I think you talked about it. You said you were creating some content, and the people were like, "Why are we? Why are we talking about quarterbacks when we need to talk about our offensive line?" To be fair, to protect you and to be on your side, we do need a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, Henny for the Henny for the Chiefs. He, I know he retired recently, but he was a great backup for Patrick Mahomes. The Rams. We need a great backup as well that can go out and actually win football games. But to get to that point, we need an offensive line. So to answer your question, we do not have a, a stout offensive line yet, but I do believe that Sean McVay is taking them notes right about now, taking a page out of the Chiefs notebook and, and getting some offensive line this, uh, this offseason. I love the way you and I kind of bounce off each other with Sean McVay's off season. Cause we're on the same page. Like we're like, no, no, no. Sean McVay is not like everybody else. He's not kicking back, relaxing, enjoying his break. He's really, he's looking at this like, all right, how do I get back? Because I crave this. And I did not just come back to miss the playoffs again. And albeit, I mean, this team was in every game except for one going in the fourth quarter. A lot of the reason I see a lot of blame deflected towards Raheem Morris, but I would argue they would have been 
been worse without Raheem Morris. So I think a lot of the reason that this team fell last year was because obviously injuries, but also like you said, the offensive line uh, just in general, um, you know, and when they were healthy, they still weren't that great. So what, what's the deal? What, what does this look like? Um, you know, you have Alaric Jackson who, you know, maybe you pencil in at left tackle. I love Alaric Jackson. Um, whether, the, you know, he's the left tackle or left guard, I think he needs to start. I think he is a starting caliber offensive lineman. Um, he's one of those gems that they got out of UDFA. And uh, I mean, you're one of them too. Don't, don't, yeah. don't knock yourself over there. I mean, that, that was a pretty awesome pickup when we got you out of Syracuse. But um, I mean, you're, you're proof. He's proof. You can get guys out of undrafted rookie free agency. And I'm not pushing Alaric out the door uh, after seeing what he did before the blood clots came in. And that really sucked because, you know, we would have had a chance to see him with a full season. I think as the starter would have had more clarity and, you know, more comfortability, if you will. Uh, but we didn't get to see him because of the blood clots. And we saw guys like Ty Inseki who was with the Rams in 2012. And then he comes back 10 <laughs> years later and now he's starting like what is happening. So um, this is what I'll say, Cam. I like no boom. Everyone knows I like no boom. I'm scared to death about his Achilles tear. I know guys have come back from it. I know Jason Peters, but you can't just say, well, Jason Peters did it. So anyone can Jason Peters is not like anybody. <laughs> He's 40 years old and he was starting a left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. Don't yeah. even tell me, yo, well, Jason Peters, Jason Peters is a freak. Yeah. Okay. He's not like many other left like the LeBron well, James, LeBron played. James of yeah. left tackles. Like let's separate him. <laughs> He, he's a monster and he's going to be a hall of famer and he deserves to be, but like, that's the thing is just because, you know, he did it doesn't mean like he's the anomaly. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure other guys have, but it is tough to come back from a torn Achilles. Um, look, the Broncos right now, they just put Garrett Bowles, who's the very, very talented left tackle. I believe out of Utah, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, he, they put him on the training block makes sense, right? Who's still there from, you know, the year they drafted Garrett Bowles, like who's still around the Broncos right now, brand new head coach. You're going to have an offensive line coach, brand, brand new offensive, offensive staff in general. Uh, so he's probably not going to have anybody that, you know, can side with him mm -hmm. and, all these guys on the outside coming in, they're looking at is this is a guy that's had a hard time staying healthy when he's healthy. He's great, but we don't have that connection. We didn't draft him. We don't have anybody on the staff that drafted him. So this is what I will say. Okay. The Rams should, and I don't know if this will work cam, but the Rams should trade Joseph Nopum package him with a second and a fifth round pick to acquire Garrett Bowles from the Denver Broncos. You get your left tackle, the future. Again, I understand he's had some injuries, but I think he really could thrive on the Rams be the bookend left tackle. No boom. I like I'm scared away by the injury and I understand the Broncos would be scared away. He's going to cost a lot of money against the cap, but so is bulls. So Jake, why are you, you know, sending no boom if they're trying to get rid of his number off the books? Because my friend, you asking whoever you are, <laughs> the Broncos don't have picks. They're going to take a second and a fifth rounder. In my opinion, I, I think they'd be dumb not to, but then again, they traded away a first rounder for a coach. Um, so <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the thing, Cam, this is what I propose. I think Garrett Bowles, and I've talked about this with my buddy Blaine over at turf show times, Garrett Bowles to the Rams makes sense. Um, and I think he, it kind of, it's kind of that reset. It's, it's a soft reboot. If you will, you see all these films doing soft reboots. You're keeping Havenstein, right? You're not, you're not blowing up the whole thing, but it's a soft reboot of the offensive line. Um, and, and I think that's the best way to go. And Jake, uh, you keep Alaric at left guard maybe, but I like this move. Yeah, Jake. And I, I feel you on that. And for the first time, I'm going to, I'm going to side a little bit differently on that. Right. Um, you mentioned Ooh. you, yeah, a little spicy, right. With, with bowls. Spicy. I, yeah. Yeah. No, I think you mentioned it, right. You said he had some trouble with injuries. I think, you know, with the Rams, like we, that's all we've been talking about this year are injuries, injuries, injuries. So in my mind, it's like, okay, why go get someone that is injury prone? I think we talked about this, right? You have a Porsche or you, we're talking about offensive linemen. You, you get an F-150, F-150 truck. If he's known for having flat tires and always have to go in to get his injury repaired or whatever that looks like, I'm not sure if it really makes sense to go out and 
you know, and, and, and get someone like that. Um, I think we always talk about this too with, with Sean McVay, but really doing the same thing over and over again is, is considered insanity. So I do think when we're talking about this offensive line, you know, bringing someone on that is injury prone, I do think it might be insane, Jake. It might be insane. Um, I'm sure Bowles, he's a great player, but I do think, you know, making sure that you get, you get it, we get an offensive line that, that stays healthy, that's consistently healthy. Um, you know, maybe from one of these championship teams, man, maybe we, we look at the Eagles, maybe we look at the Chiefs and say, or any of these playoff teams and say, hey, where can we find someone that's be, that's willing to be traded <clears throat> and also has a championship experience? I think the Rams, I think that we, we missed that, right? The Rams were in the Super Bowl two years ago. We need to have those Super Bowl caliber players to come on this Rams team, right? We go back to the Chiefs playbook where they got Joe Thune. These guys come come from championship teams, you know, the Patriots. And so making sure that we take that note, pay, that note page out of Andy, Andy Reed's playbook and bringing on championship caliber players. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the Broncos have touched the playoffs in, in a long, in, in a while. Right. And so getting some of these offensive linemen that have, have touched the playoffs who have been in championships and that that stay healthy, I think that is a better option than getting someone that's injury pro, that's injury prone. And, and I haven't really seen Garrett Bowles play too much, but the fact that he gets injured a lot, that's that's a little concerning for me, Jake. I'm not sure what your thoughts are about that. So I actually had to bring it up because uh, you know I, I was like, how injured has he been? Because I was thinking about that. He's a former All Pro second team uh, in 2020. It was this year. So he broke his leg this year. Aside from that, since 2017, he started 82 games. So for the most part, he's been pretty reliable. And just because of a freak injury where his leg snapped, sorry to make that so Uh, besides that freak injury where, I mean, that could happen at any point. um, He's been relatively durable. Now, the question is a at age 30 now, does he start to go down this path where he broke his leg and now, you know, and what I've noticed cam, and I don't know if you could really speak on this, like from experience, probably not because you didn't really get hurt, but like talking guys around you, wouldn't you make the argument, a guy that gets hurt because he got hurt that year. Now he had a full off season where he didn't get a chance to get better. And instead, he actually had to focus on the rehab, which sometimes, actually most of the time, I would argue, leaves other areas of the body prone to get hurt because you're focusing so much. Now you're overcompensating for your leg. Maybe you hurt, you know, your wrist or something. You know what I mean? Like, do you agree with that? Like, do you think that's that's something that's real? Well, I, I do know that when it comes to the athletic trainers, they're super aware of that, right? <clears throat> Just like the the thought of overcompensating. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's say for an example, my hamstrings. I hurt my hamstrings playing. I pulled multiple hamstrings. So if I pull my left hamstring, then I'm going to rely on my right one to, you know, to compensate and to do more things. And so what athletic trainers are paid to do is to know that and to make sure that there's balance, right? And so, for an example, currently my left pec is torn, right, from from bench pressing too much. And so I'm doing... You tore your left pec? I tore my left pec, Jake, bench pressing, going from 135 to 225 to 275. I thought I was in college again. Exactly. Uh. And so I'm actually doing rehab today. I'm going to Sports Academy up in Thousand Oaks, the same one that the Rams go to, Dr. Bo. And what we work on, Jay, is not only not only strengthening this left arm, but also preparing this right arm as well. So whatever I do on this left arm, I'm doing the same thing on the right arm. Not not heavy weight, but just functional weight. And so I do believe for 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 you know for Garrett Bowles um, that he's not only training his left leg or whatever leg that was broken, but also his right leg and really strengthening the armor in his body. And so athletic trainers are supposed to know that, and they're supposed to prepare him. For those next steps um and you know jake it's that's gnarly man it's yeah it's brutal <laughs> it's brutal it's brutal injuries injuries are tough and, and i think you said it jake having a full year of not having contact and not playing it can be tough because you can train as long as much as you want you can go hard as much as you want but football speed is a different speed right like he can put his pads on and he can do some drills with people and whatnot but until he gets in that game and really test that leg out even saying this out loud, test that leg out. Like that's just kind of scary, right? Thinking about him being on the Rams, being the left tackle, the money guy 
you know, for 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 um for our Rams quarterbacks and testing his leg out like that doesn't even sound right. So going back to my statement, you know, I do hope that that the Rams can get someone that doesn't have to test their body out for this upcoming season. I think Matthew Stafford, he deserves that with his neck injuries and with his back and his head. I don't know if I want someone testing their leg out when I know my quarterback is injury prone. So that's just me, Jake. I feel like it's going to be the domino effect. One guy's going to go down. Matt's going to go down. And we're talking about this again. Okay. It's going to be a a two quarterback carousel, a three quarterback carousel. So it's a little risky to be Jake. I don't know. It's a little risky. It it certainly is. Um, I mean, the good thing is that like, the thing with no boom is that he's had multiple issues and I don't even know if the Broncos would be interested, but you know, just to take on his deal to get a second and fifth, I think they would consider, but I, you know, thinking about it coming off a broken leg, maybe you can get him down to a third and a fifth. And if that's the case, Cam, would you do that? If he gets a third and a fifth, I think, I think it, I think it makes sense. Um, but also too, right? Like so seconds, a little bit too, too expensive. I think that's, that's Jake. That's too expensive, right? Like I want to make sure that if, if both, if Bowles goes down, who's going to back him up, right? Like who, what's that look like? And I'm going to prepare for that. Like I'm going to expect after game one, game one, something's going to go wrong with that leg. Cause you know, defensive players know, Hey, this guy has a left leg in or a right or left leg injury. I'm going to attack that leg whenever I apply pressure. I'm going to attack that leg and I'm going to see who the backup is. So if I'm, the, if I'm less need, I'm going to say, Hey, if we're going to get bowls. Let's make sure the backup is just as strong or even stronger because I can expect after game one, he's going to get that smoke when it comes to that leg. And, and l- let me just, uh, you know, take your side here for a sec. <laughs> he's not saying he's going to go over and just go like that to the guy's leg. Yeah. Like you're being more like as a pass rusher or, you know, whatever, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get him to put the weight on that leg, make it, you know, more vulnerable. You're trying to take advantage. I just, for, for the people out there that are more sensitive here in 2023, I'm not trying to get you canceled cam. I'm not, he's not saying he he wants, (laughs) he wants to take out bulls. You know, he's not saying that, but I get what you're saying. And that does make a lot of sense. And when you talk about guys like Von Miller, um, you know, going up against a guy like him or even like a more powerful guy, like we saw Josh sweat for the Eagles, that power, you know, that could be a problem, yeah. right? Uh, Brian Burns, you know, his ability to convert speed to power guys like that. And then of course, Nick Bosa, right? You go up against Nick Bosa, that could be a serious issue. Um, I do suspect since it was week four, he'll be good to go. Um, which is a good thing. It's not a later leg injury. The thing that sucks is former Rams, uh, guard uh, um austin corbett i think he tours ac on the last game of the season that is not likely he will not likely be back in time for the regular season this is not the same case with bulls it's very intriguing though this this bulls thing um another thing we've mentioned and you kind of shot down the last time uh taylor lewan is another one that's uh. like the veteran presence yeah, I mean, I remember you saying you didn't like him, or he was kind of a, yeah. a jerk to you. He was a jerk. Um, he was a jerk. But you know, I I do think it could be okay. You think about like the Cam Akers issue, right? Where he had some issues in the locker room, he had to sit out for a little bit. You know, Sean McVay doesn't play that. Like from his situation, we know Sean McVay does not play that when it comes to character. I can see Taylor Taylor the one having some issues where it's like, hey, Taylor wasn't acting right in practice. We're going to have to sit him out this game. You know, it's like, I don't know if the offensive line can take that and handle that right now. You know, uh, and going back to the Bulls piece, I would like to see him maybe for one more year, maybe, or before the trade deadline, like see him fully healthy with the Broncos and then, okay, let's go get him. But yeah, going back to Taylor DeJuan, no, it's a personality thing for me, guy. And I I just know Sean McVay doesn't play that. So, you know. This is believe though. Yeah. This is believe. We're, we know we're not Leslie. We're not Sean McVay. This is believe. We do believe in the Rams, and but I just think he's a, he's a character guy, and that might that might be an issue. So, the the thing I've been thinking about when we're talking about this, especially with Garrett Bowles, um, the Rams might be able to do this more so because they have a guy like Alec Jackson, you know. And if you bring back Ty and Seki, it's like we have that as like our backup in case something goes wrong and Seki played well Alaric played well 
does that change your mind a little bit about bowls? Like to bring him in for a, say a third and a fifth, you, you get no boom off the books. You bring in bowls. If he's healthy, he's going to be, you know, borderline second team, all pro talent. If he's not, you do have Alec Jackson. You do have, but is it also one of those things, Cam, where they've taken so many chances. They've used so much cap. They've used so much capital draft capital that they have to get this right. And just the risk is going to defeat the reward. Yes, I think I think you said it, Jake. I think this past year was our year to play around and kind of see what works, you know, see what doesn't work. I think, Jake, it's tough for us, you know, each day after each week to come to this podcast and be like, ah, the Rams didn't do it again. The Rams didn't do it again, Jake. I don't want another season of that, Jake. I want them to get it right this season. I know. You know, with, with Sean McVay went through that in the offseason, like, it took a hit on them. It took a hit on us. It took a hit on the whole, you know, Ram, you know, Rams community. So I think this year, Jake, selfishly, we deserve for them to get it right. Uh, it just, it just stresses me out a little bit, right. To get someone that, of course you said all pro he's all everything, but I would maybe love to see him after, you know, before the trade deadline during the season, keep your eye on him and say, Hey, you know, depending on how our offensive line does, this is this guy's first on our list for the trade deadline. So that's my thought there. I'm a little conservative, but Jake, just a little PTSD from this past year, man. Coming back, I, I said, you know, you know. I hear you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not something like it's not a no brainer because you're going to have to give up draft capital. Um, but what can we learn from the Kansas City Chiefs offensive rebuild? Right. So you're saying they added Trey Smith in the draft. Mm -hmm. They added Creed Humphrey in the draft. Uh, they added Orlando Brown Jr. Was that via trade or was that free agency? I believe it was free agency. Um, yep, yep, free agency dollars on left guard okay. Joe, Joe Thune. And, oh, and then traded draft picks to acquire oh. Orlando Brown. Yeah. Okay, so Brown was a trade, yep. which, okay. And then and Thune was a signing free. from the, the Patriots let him go. Yep. Um, okay, and then who was the other guy? And then, then they then they drafted the other two guys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's just say Havenstein, you 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 not pencil him in. He he's in ink. Yeah. Okay. They they sign him long term. He played all seventeen games. All seventeen games this year, uh, in a five and twelve losing effort. Um, got to give him props. I mean, he played around all sorts of guys. So he's going to remain there, right? You have Brian Allen. You have Coleman Shelton at center. Uh, do you see any of those guys being the center this year? Because I could see them moving on from Brian Allen, another one of those just injury risks. Yeah, wait, was it was it Brian Allen the one that came from being a police officer? Then now, uh, no, 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 that was uh, oh my god, what's his sorry. name? Jeremiah Cologne. Jeremiah. Okay, so okay, going back to Brian Allen. Yeah, I, I think I think we need to we need to solidify the whole offensive line, Jake. I'm not gonna lie, like Rob Haven signs our staple. And then everything else, you know, I think we have those guys as, as firm backups. But I think we figure out, hey, how can we get a, a new starting offensive line? And it, and it might not pay off this upcoming year, but I do think, similar to the Chiefs, it'll pay off in the following year. But I think we kind of just, hey, these guys haven't been healthy. Let's make sure that we get some guys that can stay healthy, that can actually produce, and then have these guys as backups just in case. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. If you know you feel like you're gonna move a guy up and have them as a staple with Rob Havenstein, what, what do you think about that? Well, the interesting thing in looking at the Chiefs, um, you know, because their offensive line from left to right, you got Orlando Brown, who you got via trade. You got uh Joe Tooney, like you mentioned, free agency, Creed Humphrey draft in the second, Trey Smith draft in the sixth, and Andrew Wiley was a free agent in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. So you have guys like Lucas Niang, you draft in the 2020 draft, third round. You drafted Darian Kennard, uh, fifth round in 2022. You have Nick Allegretti, a seventh rounder from 2019, and Prince Tega Obwinogo, uh, who was a free agent. So that is their offensive line. And I think we can learn something from this. So I think Nuogu, if I'm not mistaken, was a UDFA. And I honestly think Andrew Wiley might have been a UDFA. Um, and it does appear he was. 
So Andrew Wiley, 28 years old, UDFA, he's starting at right tackle for them. And he played really good. Um, then you have Winogu, who's a backup left tackle, UDFA. I think you know where I'm going. Yes. So, <laughs> so Orlando Brown was the trade. Rams trade for Garrett Bowles or trade for, I think Lawan will get cut. So it would be probably Garrett Bowles, right, in this scenario. So the Rams trade for Garrett Bowles, that's for Orlando Brown. Is he as good as Orlando Brown? I mean, he could be. But so what we've seen, I'd probably lean Brown, but he also wouldn't cost as much as, say, Brown did. Uh, then at left guard, you got Joe Tooney, your big free agency signing. Um, I could see them signing somebody, but, you know, could be a little interesting where they go. Uh, you know, do they go out and get a Daniel Brunskill from the 49ers? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, he's had some good games against the Rams. They've seen him hands on. Yeah. Um, do they go out and get Nate Herbig from the Jets? I mean, I thought he played really well this year. I watched a lot of Jets football. So, um, a, you know, these are all two playoff guys, guys. There. These are playoff guys, Jake. These guys from champ, you know, playoff teams. The Rams were not in the playoffs. So, I, you know, talking about Tooney, he was with the Patriots. He's won a lot of Super Bowls, been in a lot of playoffs. He, I, I see yeah. where you're going there, Jake. I see, I see where you're going. Well, so that leaves center. There's Brian Allen, who was drafted in the 2019 draft. But I mean, to match Creed Humphrey, I haven't watched a lot of centers in this draft yet. I've been going very, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, that flow of things. Right. But everyone and their mother for the Rams wants them to draft John Michael Schmitz out of, I believe, Minnesota. I'm sure you've seen that name. Mm -hmm. They've kind of dubbed him as the new Creed Humphrey. So let's just insert John Michael Schmitz in there at pick 36. Let's make everybody watching at home go ballistic because that's who they want. So a Rams offensive line right now of Garrett Bowles left guard will put the UDFA at left guard. So, so that's the thing. Andrew Wiley at right tackle. He's the UDFA. We'll put the UDFA and Alec Jackson at left guard. So we got uh, Garrett Bowles, um, Alec Jackson, center John Michael Schmitz, right guard. Do they draft another guy in this draft to make him start like Trey Smith, or do they already have the left, uh, the right guard from the draft in Logan Bruss? Now, now you have, uh, you know, you have your traded guy, you have your two draft picks, you actually have your three because you have Havenstein, and you have your signed guy. Um, so, I think that that's a very interesting thing here where you could be looking at Bowles, Alaric Jackson, John Michael Schmitz, Logan Bruss, and Rob Havenstein. But another one you could be looking at is Bowles. You go out and you get somebody like, say, uh, Isaiah Wynn or Nate Herbig or somebody like that. Then John Michael Schmitz at center. And then right guard, maybe you have Alaric there. Maybe you have um, you have Bruss, and then you have Havenstein. The only problem is going back to what we've been saying, Bruss missed the entire season. Didn't have a chance to get much better. He was focusing on rehabbing that torn ACL. So that's my only uh, thing there. But I think this team is going to have a lot of depth. I really believe that. I think they learned a lot about their offensive line this past year. You know, you look at guys like, um, you know, Coleman Shelton could be a really good depth piece, whether they trade a guy like Brian Allen away, who knows, but uh, no boom in this scenario would be trade away for bulls, a third and a fifth. Uh, the Rams would be trading a third and a fifth and no boom for bulls. Um, so the Rams keep their second round. They spend it on the offensive line. They get their center of the future. They get, Garrett Bowles at age 30, um, they can extend him, you know, all of that, you know, if it works out great age 30 for an offensive lineman, we found out really isn't that old because you're still in your prime and Andrew Whitworth played until 40. Jason <laughs> yeah. Peters played until 40. Uh, they're not necessarily, you know, everybody, but you know, you at least get him another five years, right? So let's say he plays until 35. You at least gave him another five years. That's entire career for Stafford yeah. in LA. So ring me at that you know, point. Ring me at that. You know, like yeah, at that within that I, five I, years. I would say, I would say that offensive line cam is pretty darn good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, either of those. Um, some people disagree. Not everybody. Like there's there are people that want Havenstein gone. Let me just tell you, Havenstein ain't going anywhere. Okay, <laughs> yeah. he 
is is on that offensive line in ink like a, literally in ink yeah. he signed a contract to stay with the rams multiple years yeah. okay he's not going yeah. anywhere get a tattoo so, get a tattoo hey sign with the rams at this point just <laughs> yeah it, it's it's done so logan bruss is a question mark um for those that would be questioning that they could draft a guy uh you know, make him the right guard they could go out and sign somebody you know but I really like, I mean, so far, and I could change because I have only watched one running back and all the quarterbacks, and I haven't gotten to the center. I don't even know if I like John Michael Schmitz yet. I'm just saying from everybody else. But, you know, when I get to that point, I'll be able to tell. Um, <clears throat> do I want John Michael Schmitz at in the second round if I don't know anything about him right now? Not really, but I'm just like showing you what a potential offense line could look like. I think it's very realistic. They pick 36th overall. They could absolutely come down with him. Uh, Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame is also an intriguing option later on the second, maybe even the third, uh, if they don't trade away their third round pick. And guys, I don't have any info on this. Um, I know I've mentioned it before. Sometimes when I say things, it's because I have things that like I've been told. So it's kind of trying to, without like coming out and reporting it, um, it's kind of like teasing it a little bit. Yeah. This is not one of those things. I have nothing on Garrett Bowles. I, there's nothing except for what has been reported and that the Broncos are interested in trading him. I don't know if the Rams would be interested. I know the Rams have a connection with the uh, the Broncos that, I mean, you could say with the Waltons, as deep as that, uh, <laughs> but not even that. I'm talking just in, in the sense that they've made trades with them. You know, you go back and, you know, you, you look at the Von Miller trade. Uh, you go back, you look at the Kenny Young trade, right? Those are two trades they made with them in the last two years alone. Um, you know, so, and, and they've had, you know, of course, you talk about Brayden Staley coming over from the Broncos. There's a connection there. Um, and, and I don't know if it's still there now that Sean Payton's there. It's a completely new staff, but the guys at the top, <laughs> Sean Payton you know, doesn't like brass. the Rams, Jake. <laughs> yeah, no, he does not like the Rams, but the guys at the top though, you know, they're kind of the same people. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was wearing horns this season. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams made a trading and went out and got him. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams signed uh, Taylor Lewan. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I would not. I think that they're going to either give Alaric the keys to the car and have him play at left tackle, or they're going to maybe move him at guard, maybe use him as a versatile backup, uh, you know, like play tackle and guard, and they'll go out and get a veteran presence because I think – their formula worked with Whitworth. And honestly, if he was just a little bit younger, they probably would be fine. Oh, fa but oh father unfortunately, time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if they got him at age, say 28 or whatever, and he played six years, now he's 36 or whatever, or 34. Um, don't know how to do math apparently, but you know, he's like 34, 35 years old, whatever, you know, he could still play another five years. You'd feel decent about that. Um, Bulls is an option. There'll probably be other guys that come up. That's the beauty of the off season. And we just never know who's unhappy in their current environment until it just comes out. And so that's the thing. Like, I don't think any of us at the end of last year, when the Rams were, you know, hoisting the Lombardi trophy, I don't think anybody was like Tyreek Hill's going to end up in Miami. Like no one thought that. <laughs> yeah. No one thought that who thought that and who thought the chiefs were going to go to the Super Bowl without him. You know, I mean, I, I kind of did, but you know, I, like <laughs> my point, my point though, is that like the Derek Carr drama, Yeah. who thought that before the season, like everyone was like, Oh, Derek Carr finally has an offensive, uh, you know, offensive minded coach. Like things are going to go well and they could not have gone worse. <laughs> like they, they just yeah. cut him outright. They got nothing for him. And guess what? Because they cut him, they relinquish any chance to get a compensatory pick for him. Mm. He's not a free agent. They they created him to be a free agent. Like they cut him. They he's not his contract didn't expire. So they will not get a compensatory pick for him. They will get nothing for Derek Carr, even though they found the guy in the second round at a Fresno State. They took a chance on him and it worked out. But they will get nothing for him. Yeah. So that's neither here nor there. I mean, you know, that's that's the yeah. that's the black hole. That's you know, that's what they do. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, but that's the thing, Cam. Yeah. It's like we don't know. I, we didn't know Bobby Wagner was going to happen. You yeah. know, he just it, it, the Rams are a team to look out for because when opportunity knocks, they they you know they knock back. Yeah. And so when you look at Eric Weddle, 
Eric Weddle got surprisingly released by the Ravens. The Rams took it upon themselves to give him a contract uh, after, you know, or because he was released, they didn't have to lose a compensatory pick. It didn't hurt their comp formula. So they got him. Same thing with Bobby Wagner. Um, they got Clay Matthews. Remember, everyone was like, the Packers cut Clay Matthews? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. And then the Rams went out and got him. Yeah. You know, they did it with Connor Barwin. They've done it multiple times. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they're in on Taylor Lewan. Um, if if Bulls gets cut, the Rams have to be the favorite. Yeah, there you go. Now we're cooking. But if it's a trade, I, I think they're definitely one of the favorites, but I can't say for sure they are the favorite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if he gets cut, he'll be around. Yeah, yeah. And and one thing too, I, I mean, and one thing too, Jake, you know, I know we've been talking about the O-line a lot, so we can definitely jump into Super Bowl action or you know, whatever else. But you know, just the my my final thoughts on the offensive line is extremely important when the offensive line is strong because it gives the quarterback confidence, number one. Number two, it gives the running back confidence, right? We talked about Cam Akers, how he came along towards the end of that season. Imagine him having an offensive line that opens up holes for him the way he's been running the ball, right? Like, I, I think we see a new Cam Akers. I think we see a revived Cam Akers. I think the running game gets stronger, and then that then opens up the passing game. So then, therefore, if the running game is doing well, then the passing game open, opens up. Cooper Cup doesn't have to be running, ran into the ground through catches and through everything that he went through last year, right? So you maybe get a healthier Cooper Cup. Everyone is healthy. is more balanced, but – I think we always talked about it. It always starts with the line of scrimmage, right? On the defensive side and the offensive side, that offensive line can serve as an anchor. And if you have two badasses at tackle and even a badass at center, you know, the guards, we, we, we can figure that out. But if if we can just anchor that offensive line, Matthew Stafford's going to have all the time to throw. His wife, uh, yes, Kelly Stafford, she's going to be happy on her podcast because her boo is, is safe. Like, let's just make sure that everyone is comfortable and confident leading into next season because I don't want my heart to be broken, <laughs> Jake, after every week like we did last year, Jake. Let, let's just make sure we anchor that offensive line. I hear you, man. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not gonna lie, like Garrett Bowles is nasty. Like when he he's healthy, like he's a jerk on the field. Like he he's gonna bully you, yeah. you know? And I, I actually I, I could see it. I, I could see it and uh you know because I'm such good friends with you and and I, I love doing this show. I'm gonna give you a little gift here uh with this tweet. You ready for this? Yeah. Because this is your guy and it's gonna back up everything you've ever said about him. And I don't think you saw this. So get ready. Right. You're gonna be happy. Blaine Greasack, my buddy Blaine over at TST. Allen Robinson was the most open receiver on the Rams in 2022. ESPN stats on receiver tracking confirmed. Thank you. <laughs> I know. What was one of the things, Jake? It was like, oh, like his speed. He doesn't really separate too much. I know. And I'm like, this is the guy. So, okay, so Jake, do we do we take Allen Robinson off the training block, Jake, or does he stay on the training block? What are your thoughts after reading that after reading that quote, that that tweet? What's I mean, here's the thing: is he deserves to be on the Rams next year. He de he deserves that. He deserves a chance. You know, you can't clump him in with last year because he did what he could when he got the ball right. But it's just a matter of where the Rams have put themselves in, as far as the cap that I just don't think he gets that chance. I think he's going to get traded away. And I think when push comes to shove, Sean McVay wants to go back to what's comfortable. And I know it doesn't look like that with the coaching staff. You know, you go out and you get Ryan Wendell. I mean, that's a brand new coach. He comes from that Belichick tree, you know, because he, he, you know, was played there. He played there. Yeah. And then he goes to the Bills. And he's the assistant offensive line coach behind the former Rams offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer. So he joins and then Nick Cayley, who comes from the Belichick tree as a tight end coach, he comes over and now he's the tight end coach. Like so it. the interesting thing here like is that there hasn't been a, a comfortability necessarily. Uh, you know, you could say Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur brothers. I disagree. I don't, I mean, I, they're, they're brothers. I'm not disagreeing. They're, they're not brothers. Uh, but what I would say is that Mike LaFleur is more, it's kind of entering into a different tree, right? It's more of the, the Shanahan offense and whatnot, the current Shanahan. Cause I know, you know, Matt was with him before, but this is more current, you know, within the last four years. And so uh, it has been a little, it has gone away a little bit from being comfortable, right? You haven't really grabbed guys that were comfortable, but 
there was a rumor, and it's very much a fact, by the way, if Morris left and he was available, Evero would have been defensive coordinator for the Rams. That's a comfortable option because you have experience with him. So what did they do with the players? We've seen it before. John McVay kind of leaning more towards guys he's comfortable with, going back and getting Malcolm Brown because he's comfortable with Malcolm Brown. That's a great example. Um Honestly, going back out and getting you, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. comfortability, yeah, right? You're right. You know? You're right. Uh, you know, reunions, one, it tells you the bur- the bridge wasn't burned because mm-hmm. obviously there's no way to get to the other side if, you know. But um, it also tells you that, you know, the organization is comfortable with the player and they feel better with that player. They trust that player, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it's an endorsement to an extent, endorsement to you. So what I'm saying is like a Brandon Cooks, a Robert Wood, somebody like that, don't be surprised if they're back. Yeah. You know, don't be surprised if one of those guys is one of the starting wide receivers for the Rams. Um, I do see a lot in the comment section for whatever reason. Van Jefferson gets a lot of hate, man. What? There are a lot of people Big that want him play traded. Van and, Jefferson, really? And, and I'm like, Van Jefferson barely costs a dime yeah. compared to the rest of the cap. You don't trade rookie contract wide receivers ever if they're playing like that. Yeah. No, not, like not he big has play to Van. Be, it, it has to be like 200 yards he's getting like a year. Yeah. That's the only way you trade. You're not trading a guy who had 800 yards in a season is what second year in the league. No, you're not. Yeah, doing not that. Jake, he, he had injuries this yeah, year. Yeah, Jake, not big play Van, man. You can't. It's like Higby, you know, it's like there's certain people that you just kind of like to stay away from. Those are people that you keep. And Jake, I also wanted to get back to your point about the coaches here, right? Because yeah. the offensive coaches that are coming in, you mentioned you mentioned two Patriots coaches, I believe. And you mentioned uh, someone else coming from a different championship organization. But you talk about being uncomfortable. I think seeing Sean McVay tapping into that uncomfortability, right, and bringing in guys that you know, from different branches, different places, but they come from a championship mindset. And I think Sean McVay needs that, right? Where if Sean McVay is going through whatever he's going through, you know, during the season, he's doing running the same plays. He needs that guy to come in and say, hey, you know, this is this is not the way to go um, and and really flip things around a little bit. So I, I love the, the additions there on the offensive side. And I do think they're going to make your big play Van Jefferson, your Cooper Cup. They're going to make these guys better players. Your Tyler Higgins, they're going to make these guys better players on and off the field. And so I, I really love that addition, but I, I just wanted to sidebar a little bit when we talk about Van Jefferson and these new offensive coaches. And I think they're going to help Van Jefferson play better. He's going to be not only big play Van Jefferson, but double big play Van Jefferson, right? Just go ahead and double it up. <laughs> double it up. Double yeah. It up. No, I, I, I hear you. I mean, I'm excited for the new coaches that are, you know, in this organization and, and yeah, he sprawled out. Um, you know, it's like what my, uh, my late great grandfather always used to tell me, be comfortable being uncomfortable yeah. because those are the people that are are the ones that are going to ascend. Those are the people that are dangerous, so to speak. They can they can really make some moves, right? Mm-hmm. Because the only thing that really kind of uh, holds us back is being too comfortable and being, you know, too, uh, I guess, too comfortable, but also afraid to kind of sprawl out. And I feel like McVay is sprawled out with his coaching tree. You know, he's added guys like, you know, look at Carberry. He came from college. You know, he's added guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's it's fascinating to see. And so, you know, in a chance where, you know, he could have been more comfortable in his coaching staff and whatnot, uh, he brought in some new blood. And I think that's maybe that's, you know, a sign of things to come for the offense. Uh, I would say keep an eye on all the Jets free agents on the offensive side of the ball. I think Mike LaFleur might tap into that a little bit. I think we could see Mike White, uh, who was last year, you know, probably the best quarterback on the Jets by far uh, when he played. I think he could be the backup to Matthew Stafford. I think Nate Herbig, who had experience play on the Eagles offensive line, you know, he played with the Jets. Uh, I thought he looked pretty solid. Bring him on I think over. he could be an option. Come on, bring him know, on over. <laughs> like I mentioned, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, and uh, you know, my friend Blaine was also mentioning, he mentioned to me, George Fant, uh, who only allowed one sack the year prior to last year. Um, that could be an interesting one. Uh, he, I don't know if he's more of a right tackle than a left tackle. And I don't know if that's necessarily a guy. Is he an upgrade over Alec Jackson? He's older. I don't know. Um, but it's definitely something to think about. And that, like, we've seen it before. Like when Jeff Fisher was here, it was, oh, 
can I get more Titans? Like, Oh, Titan here, Titan here, Titan here, you know, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden Cortland Finnegan's here and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, we've seen that in the past. We've seen, of course, you know, guys that, you know, really get along with Wade, uh, you know, Akib Talib came over with Wade Phillips, guys like that. Um, you know, and we've seen those connections. I mean, we've still seen them with Raheem Morris. Let's be honest here. Like, uh, I forget his name, Tyler, the corner that he came from the the Falcons. He coached him. Mm-hmm. It's another name to look out for. I was also talking to Blaine about this. Isaiah Oliver, mm-hmm. a defensive back, was a former first round pick. I, I think out of Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, could be wrong on that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he could be an option. Just, I don't know, keep an eye on the the different relationships yeah. because I'm not saying the Rams are only favoritism here uh, and, and they will go out and they'll just get talented players for sure. But those connections matter. Yeah. And, and we've seen it before matter. Um, you know, we, we can't knock them for being just a favoritism-led team because they had Kevin Carberry and they didn't draft any of his guys that he coached uh, in college. Yeah. You know, they had an opportunity to. So, you know, just uh, something that's interesting there. Yeah, um, and Jake, I want to add too. You know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, especially after the pandemic, you only work with people who you like, right? Like, time mm-hmm. is limited, time is precious. You want to work with people who you like. At the end of the day, and like you said, keeping an eye out for the people that some of these coaches have already worked with because they know they trust them, they know the system, and they and they know that they can respond to adversity and anything that they're going to throw at them. So. Like you said, hey, you know, let's keep an eye out. And if these guys are coming from playoff and championship teams, that's my, that's 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 a signal for me. Just come on, bring them over because we need that. Uh, the the Rams need that more than anything. So I, I'm, it sounds like Sean McVay's been taking notes in the offseason, Jake, and I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, and uh, let's uh, wrap this up with the Super Bowl All right. because I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you get to see the two teams that did it right. Right. I mean, that's pretty much what happens. It's like 30 teams watch up at the the two teams that just were better than everyone else that year. Hey, the Rams had their moment in the sun, too, yeah. and they actually won the game. So, you know, they, they can't really feel bad about it. It was a bad year, but they can bounce back. But uh, let me get your thoughts on the Super Bowl. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that. But also, uh, in addition to that, Cam, what are some things that you saw during the Super Bowl that you feel like could apply to the Rams, whether it's, you know, the ridiculous quarterback sneak that let's be honest here the nfl competition committee is probably going to scrap after that because you know they're going to stop and allowing people to push the quarterback over but is it you know is it something like the offensive line kicking ass you know for the eagles uh and the the kansas city chiefs for that matter uh is it you know say the running back room you know how both running back rooms were used i mean you talk about jarek mckinnon uh you know and obviously like what you know, Pacheco was, was doing, we said he was going to do, um, you know, back when they played the Rams, yeah. you know, or, you know, a Boston Scott or a Kenneth Gainwell, you know, Miles Sanders, or, you know, maybe the big play receivers. Um, you know, I, I think really that's, that's my question for you. Like what were your main takeaways from the game as a spectator? Uh, but also takeaways that like kind of apply to the team that we covered. Yeah. So connecting to the Rams, I think, the one, the first and most important thing is coaching. The way that Andy Reid coached that team in the red zone, specifically, Jake, right? There were a couple plays where he knew that the Eagles were playing man coverage, that they would bump the coverage. You'll see, I think it, it showed on ESPN, Andy Reid called back-to-back play, the same play, but on opposite sides for touchdowns. It was a it was a motion in and a, mo- a quick motion out, and he had you know receivers wide open. I think coaching is the big thing. That's number one. And what what the Rams can do, what Sean McVay can do, and what he's done is brought in other coaches who can outsmart the other coaches. At the end of the day, like uh, I was talking to my family members, and they were like, hey, what do you think about the game? And I was like, man, the Eagles, at the end of the day, they just got outcoached, right? The players were going head-to-toe. Devontae Smith was going off in the wide receiver room. Like, it, it was a true battle. But I think at the end of the day, the Chiefs had the better coach. Right. Jalen Hurts played played lights out. <laughs> he played lights out. I think he had like the the, sec- the best player on the field, the best player on the field. PPF rating, I think, was insane. Second to Nick Foles, like of all Super Bowls. So that's that's without a fact. Right. Without, you know, they ran the ball super well. Uh, the defense played well. Um, but what what I think like I said, the, the deciding factor was Andy Reid outcoached the Eagles 
period, right? And I think that's the first takeaway. Second takeaway, Chiefs ran the damn ball second half, right? I think the first half, they were getting stumped on Jake. It was, when I was watching that game, I was like, ooh, it's looking ugly. Second half, they started running that football. They made halftime adjustments, and that's just coaching. Again, Jake, I'm going back to coaching at the end of the day. You know, Sean McVay's bringing in other coaches to help him out, but the Chiefs, they ran the ball really well, and they adjusted it at halftime. And then the next thing, too, thoroughly, takeaways. The Chiefs had some takeaways, right? I think they had a, a, a I think Jalen Hurts dropped the ball, whatever, fumbled the ball, and they went and scored a touchdown. Takeaways are extremely important, and I, for the Rams, take when it comes to takeaways this past season, I, we, I, we always talked about it, Jake. They were okay, but they, I, I'll probably find them in the bottom of that list of the 32 teams. What do you think when it comes to the Rams takeaways? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say bottom half of the league and it's weird because they started off this season. So great. They, I mean, anytime you turn over Josh Allen three times, you should be winning those games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I think the chiefs did that well and they did it well all year. One of my buddies was like, I was like, Ooh, the chiefs defense is really good. Of course. Cause I watched them before, you know, the Rams played them and he was like, Oh no, they're not, they're not that good. I'm like, dude, these guys have turn had turnovers in like the, the end of their previous games about two turnovers, Nick Bolton always getting interceptions, running the ball back, like constantly seeing that it's like a, it's like a disease. It's a habit. You know, once you get a a whiff of it, you're like, Oh, I need more. The Rams need that. The Rams need to figure out this season, um, how to get though, you know, how to get those turnovers. Uh, We talk about Raheem, Raheem Morris playing that Ben don't break defense. Forget that. We need to take the ball away. <laughs> we need to we need to worry about taking the ball away to give our offense the football so we can score some points. That that should be the theme and the motto because whenever you're getting to the playoffs, you're playing these great quarterbacks. Whatever quarterback has the ball the most, whatever quarterback protects the ball the best, is going to win the game. Period. Right? You can't give Patrick Mahomes the ball more than Jalen Hurts. Right? Like even though he put Jalen Hurts played better than Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Those takeaways, they that, that affects some of these quarterbacks. And so the Rams defense, we're going to have to work on affecting the quarterback next season. Yeah. I mean, I think that there were definitely a lot of things to take away. Um, will the Eagles be back? I don't know. They have a lot of players. I mean, they went all in. Keep in mind, like people don't realize that they traded for AJ Brown. They signed guys like Indomitian Sue. They signed guys like Javon Hargrave, you know, uh, they went all in. They traded for, you know, Darius Slay, not necessarily this year, but in the past. But, um, and the, you the know, coordinators I, I are gone th- too, Jake. Both the coordinators yeah. left the same day. So it's like, yikes. Exactly. And so I really like Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach. I think he's going to do a really nice job as offensive coordinator. Um, but defense coordinator, I'm not sure who's going to be there. And I'm here in Vance Joseph, but I don't, I mean, that's kind of a downgrade from, uh, what, what's his face Gannon mm-hmm. but um yeah I mean I'm I'm sure like when you have a quarterback like that if, if they're able to get through another year not paying hurts then they're going to be set up to go out and get whoever and replenish essentially but if they have to pay hurts and the Rams had to pay Jared Goff right after the Super Bowl that they lost too so uh it, Jalen Hurts was a lot better than Jared Goff in that Super Bowl let me just tell you <laughs> Um, if they have to pay Jalen hurts, it's going to be upwards $50 million a year. And it's going to be really hard to do anything, uh, with how many guys they're losing in free agency or expected to lose in free agency. So I don't know if they'll be back, but the, um, the chiefs, I will say this, and I wanted to get to it earlier, but I, I think it's probably good now to talk about it a little quick before we head out of here. Um, the chiefs have a dynasty in the making, because they have the best franchise quarterback in the NFL, a guy that can work off schedule, but he's not a running quarterback. So you don't have to worry about him constantly getting hurt uh, and taking unnecessary shots. He ran against um, the Rams, but though. A guy with a, <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, a cannon of an arm, a cannon of an arm uh, can throw the ball at any angle, anywhere on the field, keep any play alive. He's also got, he's part of the one of the greatest duos we've ever seen in the history of the NFL in him and Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, really what they've been able to do is find guys like Pacheco, you know, in the seventh round, Trey Smith starts on their offensive line. He's a sixth round pick, but they've also nailed 
picks like Creed Humphrey. They've then that's a second rounder. They've nailed picks like you said, Nick Bolton, second round pick. They've nailed picks later on in the draft again, like Legereus Sneed, who I don't even think if he played, I didn't see him, but I know he was pretty banged up. Uh, they have really done a nice job drafting, and I don't think they get enough credit for it. You know, going out and you know getting guys like Colin Saunders on their defensive line. You know, I just don't think they get enough credit for it. So uh, this is what I will say. Okay. The chiefs are built to win consistently, efficiently, and long-term. And the thing that I have left out here that I will finally say is that cam, I think Andy Reid has found the secret formula to sustain success because you can have great players, but you're not going to have the same players every year. Not with a salary cap. This isn't, you know, the 49ers being able to buy championships in the nineties. Um, but <laughs> Shot, <shots. laughs> I mean, the salary cap happened and where are all those super bowls, my guy <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, for real though, uh, Andy Reid has found the secret formula. And what that is, is employing coordinators who are more experienced and are just less likely to be a head coach, whether we, you know, whatever you want to talk about, you know, with, uh, the enemy, um, I'm not saying he doesn't belong as a head coach. I'm not saying that, but clearly the NFL doesn't look at him as a head coach. Cause he hasn't gotten a job and he's had his, his interviews have dwindled. So what has that done? And I know he'll probably leave, but to this point, what has that done? It's allowed him and Mahomes to grow together. You know, it's allowed him to coach Mahomes, Mahomes to keep the same offensive coordinator, man. Can you imagine how good Bradford would have been if he had the same offensive coordinator for five years in a row mm -hmm. and didn't have a different one every five years? Don't think that doesn't matter. I mean, obviously Mahomes transcends even a coordinator at this point in his career, but it does help. And then you look at the defense. Steve Spagnolo is not getting another head coaching job in the NFL. He didn't do well with the Rams, whether you can say it was all his fault. You could say it was the brass fault, St. Louis, whatever he's not getting another one. Okay. It's just not happening. The, the league looks at him as a defensive coordinator. And so what I'm getting at cam is that Andy Reed has the secret formula because he has essentially brought in guys that he's not going to lose. And Sean McVay is the opposite. He's brought like Raheem Morris may not have, you know, gone this time, but next year, I mean, he was close to getting that Colts job yeah. next year. I think that's the year for Raheem. Then you look at Mike LaFleur, you could say right now all that stuff about him with the Jets and how, you know, Elijah Moore wanted to beat the crap out of him in the locker room and all of that, whatever. I think it says more about Elijah Moore than it does Michael Floor, but that's just me. Either way, all that stuff goes out the, the, you know, completely goes out of it because at the end of the day, a coaching job and coaches in this league, it's a stock market. It's a stock game. And it's very easy for Mike LaFleur to bounce back because going into his job as the OC for the jets, people were talking about him as an upcoming head coach. And then after his second year, now everyone's like, Oh, he, you know, he's bad. And now he's not even calling plays for the Rams. Don't be surprised if a team is like, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on Mike LaFleur. I'm going to say, you know what? I don't think the Jets had a great chemistry there. I don't think the players respected him. That's not him. You know, we saw what he did with, you know, before in, in San Francisco, it just was a bad fit. So he goes to the Rams. Now all of a sudden he succeeds. I think a team could take him. And so it just kind of goes to show you while McVay is creating this gaudy, uh, you know, you talk about a coaching tree, it is massive and it's only going to get bigger while he's doing that. And that is, you know, creating a legacy and it's creating a foothold in the NFL. You can see how it also like Andy <laughs> Reed, he doesn't have as big of a coaching tree, but it's worked out for him more. I'm just saying, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with hiring, you know, coaches that he knows probably aren't going to go ahead, you know, and leave and become head coaches. Yeah. And I think that's a real thing that I wonder if teams start to look at now. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing for the Rams too, right? We talked about that Super Bowl year. Uh, I was speaking to some of the folks from the Rams staff and they were like, yeah, athletic trainers left, coaches left, like all those things. It's kind of like taking a recipe out of a cake or, you know, like some great, a great meal, right? Like if you take some sugar, you take some salt out of it, it's like, ooh, that doesn't taste too right. And so for Sean McVay, maybe working on keeping some of those ingredients in, in his pot, in his cook, so he can be like his Andy Reid, right? Andy Reid, he loves his hamburgers. <laughs> and so he likes his hamburgers probably made a certain way. Well, his ingredients for his team are similar. They're familiar. 
and they can go out and win, right? And so for the Rams, I would love to see that dynasty where Sean McVay is not always turning over coaches and players, and they become great coaches, but figure out how, how to sustain that, to, to maintain that so we can keep winning championships. Because like I said, man, um, you know, having a season where you go up and then back down, I don't think that happens, right, if you have coaches that can, can that can stay. And maybe it goes down a little bit, but you can go back up because these guys are getting better. They're getting more familiar and um, they're just more comfortable with with the scene there. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. And uh, it sounds like Sean McVay's, you know, he, he's starting things off right with hiring some coaches from different places, getting uncomfortable. And let's keep some of those coaches in the house, right? <laughs> Raheem Morris, I know he might leave soon, but – Hey, maybe we, we incentivize him with some more dollars, you know? So, hey, what is, what's it going to take my man to stay? You know, what is it going to look like for you to stay here and make sure that this team is a championship team? Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Ben Johnson, right? Everyone and their mother wanted Ben Johnson to be their head coach. And he said, you know what? I like what we're building with the Lions and I want to continue to see it through. And I, I, first off, deserves a lot of praise for that. But second, he did get some, uh, he did get some dollars, you know, and that, that sometimes it's what it takes. I mean, you could pay a coach however you want. It's up to your owner. Yeah. And if you have a, a crummy, uh, what, what is it more frugal owner then well, you're going to lose your coordinators. Yeah. Yeah. We know the, and we know the Rams, we know the Rams, uh, we had that money. So come on, let's, let's yeah. cronky. Uh, we, we know you got the dollars, my guy. So let's make sure these guys are paid. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But, uh, yeah. So I don't know, just, just some thoughts. I think we learned a lot. Um, I, I would say we learned a lot from, uh, you know, what happened. Um, but you know, every Super Bowl, you could always take some notes down. You can see the way the league is changing. I think last year's Super Bowl kind of got the teams prepared for this year, the way Raheem Morris's defense was playing and, you know, everyone kind of caught on to, okay, well now, you know, they're using more lighter boxes up front. It's easier to run the ball. Yeah. Everyone saw it except for Sean McVay last year. So hopefully this year, <laughs> the trend is, you know, the Rams are ahead of, ahead of that trend or even starting a new trend that that's the league. And uh, that's been this podcast. So I'm Jake Ellenbogen. He's Cameron Lynch. Uh, this show is uh, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. our friends over there. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all that jazz. And uh, yeah, you guys take care. We'll see you guys soon. Later folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.